everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John with text. Power Athlete Nation, what's happening? This is Luke. Before we get going any further, I want to announce to you that we are offering the chance of a lifetime. We have the gift that just keeps on giving in. And that's right. At the Power Athlete Shop, if you purchase a gift certificate of $75 or more, you will automatically be entered to win a life-changing coaching experience from John Wellborn, Tex McQuilkin, and the Power Athlete Block One Coaching Network, well in excess of $3,000. The package includes a 360-degree initial assessment, 10 live coaching sessions, custom programming, custom nutrition to support your training and your goals. This is life-changing. You can take it, and you can use it or hey maybe you give this as a gift so ladies and gentlemen if you want to learn more about what we have going on winners are going to be announced on christmas so head to the link in the show notes or go to pahq.co slash miracle back to it hey power athlete nation i'm tech no hey this is john and we're here with another episode of power athlete radio the premier podcast in strength and Condition. Ing. Ing. <laughs> Ing. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, joined today by Dr. Dr. Madzanis. Dr. Madzanis, that's right. Uh, John, what's hot these days? <laughs> uh, not Texas and not Arizona, obviously. The, the weather no, is a really. balmy. We're going to go with like 41 degrees today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we're heading a little ding. I know it's cold out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, warm within this little podcast room, hoping to have another magic moment of magic. It is. It's heating up in here because the hot the fire is, is hot. Yeah. How, Luke, how hot is the hotline? Hot, hot. I thought I had notifications on for this, and I don't. So in the past couple of days, we've got like <laughs> over the holidays, like 38 voicemails. Uh-huh. <laughs> So have you been going in and listening to them? No, I like just fired it up today. And you're like, oh, God. I'm like, man, it's been dead. The hotline's cold. It is not cold. It you're is like, hot. Ah, girl, smell. Uh-huh. You, you know, people were at home having some drinks. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, getting into family arguments at Thanksgiving. And then they decide, you know what? We're going to pull in our lifeline. Well, we're going to, who wants to be a millionaire? The Power Athlete Hotline. Well, yes. we did get during that Thanksgiving game. Somebody just called the hotline and said, JJ Watt. Yep. And hung up. Yep. When he had the interception for a touchdown. And that's like, so I thought I must have snoozed the, yes, Uh, short answer is yes. The, uh, um, but JJ Watt had a great game. He literally has taken off the entire year (laughs) and he fucking went hard on Thanksgiving. He had an interception. He actually played really well. He reminded me of like the JJ Watt of old, not this, you know, JJ Watt pretender over the top of the hill. The Watt brothers. Oh, man. Well, he's playing for next year's contract because mm-hmm. he's that in that phase, the twilight of his career. You mean he's going to be GM for the Houston Texans? No, he's going to be the, the first ever player coach in the NFL. No, but he's playing for the next team, get paid by somebody, play one more year for a championship. And then be GM for the Texans? I'm call- I would love him to come back. He's Houston champion. But comes back. I'm calling it right now. He joins Matt Zanis' Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, hell yeah. Joins the Watt Trio, <laughs> and we get the first other ever double watt like that's a lot of watts what a what What? idea what What an an idea idea. i can't believe texas just polishing their watt Mm -hmm. slobbing the old watt slobbing the watt slobbing the watt i'm not mad at jj watt i'm a jj watt fan I like Wait, him on SNL. Some would call you the J.J. Watt of Power Athlete. I'm honored, Tex. You I'm just honored. show up. and I'd take and a season or two off and get a good day in. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God dang. What do you think keeps the hair up all? Uh, what did you say? Uh, what do you think keeps the hair up slick? I know I know. There everything is to know about maple syrup. What do you think keeps my hair up when I'm having a tough day? <laughs> Maybe Jeremy's a little fucked up. Let's get to the hotline, shall we? Yeah. 929-464-464. 929-ing-ing. Zero. Text us, leave us a message, and we'll get to it, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, but like if you're drinking and you just want to call up and just scream JJ know, random auditory things like, JJ, what? Yeah, dude. So we have a uh, line for I'll that. I'll give you, yeah, that's Texas yeah. number. Well, no, I was, was going to say, say Cal- John's number. I was going to say Callie's <laughs> number. 832. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Callie's number. Uh, what's, maybe we get Callie's. Tom's number. Uh, just have people call Tom. 
Well, um, can people send Tomcat? Yeah, old Tomcat. Mm-hmm. Can uh, people send pictures? Oh, yeah. So you can text pictures? Uh, yeah, 100%. Oh, pictures, God. gifts, oh, videos? Give them anything. That get dangerous uh, real so quick. just a whole bunch of dick pics. Uh-huh. No. Hey, oh, yeah, sure. Hey, <laughs> this is for text. This mm-hmm. is a real salty one for him to slob the watt. <laughs> yes, slobbing the watt. <laughs> let's slob the watch shall we <laughs> alright ladies and gentlemen let's get to the hotline our guy Shirley here is Shirley oh, interesting Shirley you must be joking Shirley I'm not uh, and stop calling me Shirley <laughs> here we go hey guys this is Shirley I uh, wanted to get your opinions on different methods to assist in recovery uh, specifically but not limited to ice baths saunas cupping and flotation tanks uh, which ones do you believe are worthwhile and which ones are a waste of time? Thanks. Bye. Ice baths, cupping, flotation tanks. Man, I feel like there's so many more things than that. Like, I mean, he kind of gave us a big range, but I mean, mm-hmm. we can talk about like, um, I mean, let's just go with the easy ones like, uh, you know, massage, uh, basic chiropractic, which I'm definitely a fan of. Um, I'd really love flotation tanks. Cupping, I have never ever other than now cupping i believe is when you walk up to your bro you put your hand in a little cup and then you go towards their crotchial region and cup their genitals right is that that cupping i thought that was uh um giving a tap 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 oh that's that's tapping that's tapping well yeah there's a cup check yeah that's what i'm talking about on the field i don't we don't usually cup check each other at bars well, Dusty we does. don't. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty standard um, yeah, one. Dusty. Being like, "Ooh, I'm not wearing a cup." Uh, but like, I, I'm 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 sure, uh, Doc, you got a uh, a well formulated opinion on a lot of this stuff. Well, uh, can so. we also talk about like the? I think the operative well, word in all well, of this is recovery, <laughs> right? Well, I yeah, think that, what people confuse recovery with pain management. Bingo. Like, like oh, very wow, few people yeah. are like, I'm, uh, whenever I've heard people use cupping, it was always the idea that, you know. Jammed uh, up, yeah, sore. Yeah, jammed up, for, sore, fascia stuck. I'm going to use this cupping to get the tissue to mobilize. Um, I, you know, the other one I always heard, too, was that it somehow pulls toxins through the skin, which seemed kind of hokey does, to me. John. No, I've seen it because it leaves those marks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like the big hickeys. Like, you can get the same thing with a vacuum. Yeah, that's pain leaving the body, uh, Doc. Uh, in case you didn't know, like I'll f- <laughs> clue you in on that. You know the uh, yeah. um, and and uh, Zanis, jump in if you want on this one. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of massages. I was at one point in my life, and the last massage I got, I felt so bad for about a week that I was like, I'm never getting one again. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, that there there's so many fucking rabbit holes you can go down with all this stuff but i think you hit the nail on the head of understanding the difference between recovery and pain relief right so they're two very very different things um but the problem is with all these modalities every single one that you just mentioned is that uh people develop stories around them right so we we develop stories of what they actually do but the science doesn't support that yeah so go in go into that concept of stories because that was that was really enlightening for me man well that's like emotion right like people tie well well, no people what people do is they tie emotion to certain things and the emotion becomes much more powerful than the actual science and the effect i feel better Mm -hmm. this helped me now i'm better because of this instead of being like ah maybe that's not what happened yeah but satisfaction is not the same thing as effectiveness Right. I can help people feel better all day long. They're going to be satisfied with the, the time that they came to see me if we do cupping or manipulations or massage. But was it actually effective for the reason that they came in to see me in the first place? Right. And, and that's a problem that we run into. Like this usually ruffles a lot of people's feathers because of that emotionality component. People feel really fucking connected to these things because they either they've been doing them for a long time or like the, the whole cupping craze. They saw Michael Phelps at all these big bruises back in the 2016 Olympics. And that's where it really took off so everybody just started adapting it but like luke said they are really nothing more than just a giant hickey um i've had a few from luke in the past yeah they, hey, uh, they look good right we're bros. right along the backside of the neck, the line neck pain. yeah exactly why was, help luke, bro out? why was luke doing cupping on your neck he was in pain uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a you do me i do you type of thing so Zanis, Zanis, mine. Yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about people get their feathers ruffled are you talking about the yeah. practitioners applying the treatment or those receiving the treatment it's more so from my perspective, the practitioner is applying it. Like mm-hmm. I, I do a pretty decent job at essentially trying to break down a lot of the belief systems uh, surrounding these these different modalities uh, with the clients. They're a lot more open and receptive to hearing new information for the most part. It's just a generality. Yeah. Um, but man, but practitioners, especially if like it's the 
thing that you do, right? If that's like your only shtick, that's where people get really defensive over a lot of this stuff because they'll try and find every little piece of evidence to support it. But the problem is, is like you're already biased in that nature because you're looking at whatever evidence you can to fit your story, your dogma that you're trying to essentially sell. Like yeah, it's so, making you money. And on that, that note, because yeah. like those, I, mm-hmm. I would imagine we have those PTs listening, mm. right? And, yeah. and how, like, so wh- how can you empower those folks? I mean, because these are tools. That, do you use these tools occasionally still, even knowing that yeah. the stories aren't the science? Yeah, because, you know, there is everything to the um, the effective domain of the patient, right? So they, they want to feel better. And these are very, very good tools that help somebody feel better temporarily, as long as we understand that this is like a temporary fix and it may help you move better, but it's not actually correcting the underlying movement problem that's mm-hmm. always at the source of these these issues. Like all of the, um, the cupping stuff that's supposed to promote blood flow to muscles to help you move better or to, you know, release adhesions in the fascia. It just, it doesn't do that stuff. Like you may get some perfusion into the skin. Can it do it though? Superficially. Can what, can it do what though? No. Can it do what it's claiming? Like, like, are there any equals one? No. Right. No, it doesn't. No, no. I mean, that, that's been scientifically disproven. We can get perfusion of blood to the skin, but the only way that you actually get more blood flow to the muscle, we all know this. Move. It's movement. That's it's what actually, actually increases the metabolic activity of the muscle. It's the only yeah. thing that increases the metabolic activity of the muscle. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you, you can't argue that. So you are getting some, you know, some perfusion to the skin, which is activating some of the sensory receptors in there, and it's having an effect um, on the nervous system to maybe make you feel a little bit looser. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's you're going to feel that for maybe 20 minutes to an hour, and that's about it. That's about mm-hmm. the, the extent of the, the relief that you're going to get with so it. So the principles. And that's why people. The principles you're talking about there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why you offer packages around this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? You got to come see me like three times a week. It's only 60 bucks a session. It's great. And then the principles you're talking about on like how cupping doesn't necessarily like the story's not actually true. What are these other recovery... Like, is it the same deal with acupuncture, with EMS, um, with no. something like that? Dude, like- I disagree. I think uh, acupuncture is one of the only things that I've ever used where I actually uh, saw a performance gain from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what the, what the acupuncture does really well is it relaxes the nervous system and some things where I've definitely been in yeah. pain yeah. and felt that there was dysfunction has fixed itself. And then when we went back and learned all the RPR stuff, you know, it showed that how, mm-hmm. you know, how the fascia connects, especially with the chakras. And I was a huge fucking uh, uh, kind of thought that acupuncture was super hokey and um, mm-hmm. ended up going and having a few different practitioners work on me and was legitimately felt better in terms of pain relief. So I thought that was a, mm-hmm. a pretty interesting one. And um, but I mean, what is that satisfaction or efficacy? Well, I mean, if uh, it's a performance deal where if I'm in pain and there's some form of dysfunction and then I use it and I'm mm-hmm. better and continue to me, that means that it was effective for what but I cupping needed can it to do be. that. Right. Yeah. So well, what's, I, well, what's what's the intention behind it? Mm-hmm. Like if the intention is I'm going to feel better after this and sure, then it was effective at that. But was it actually effective at fixing the underlying issue? No, well, it's, I, like, it's, gonna, it's having a different impact. Right. Sure. I always think like right? if, if you have to do something uh, like, you know, and, and the acupuncture, maybe the cupping and all these things <laughs> like you have the treatment, you're fine. And then all of a sudden you're not kind of like uh, like, you know, if you manipulate somebody's neck, like instantly they feel better. You know, the crack snap, crack will pop the whole deal. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like if it doesn't uh, subside and it stays constant and the next day you feel shitty and you have to go back, then really what is it doing? It's just fucking basically scrambling the nervous system, uh, you know, masking the pain and then but the, it doesn't fix the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's actually there's a big term for this, John. It's called descending noxious inhibitory control. It's DNIC. It's essentially just causing an inhibitory signal to be sent down to the brain and say, hey, I feel better. There's not that much pressure here. There's not much stress in this area. And you go back to all the acupuncture stuff. And like I've been trained for years in dry needling. It's essentially the same thing. I mean, it's you're following either meridians or you're following structure. Um, And I think it's important to, to clarify that the main effect of all this stuff, the dry needle and the cupping included, is neurological in nature that's we do have validation of in the literature but these structural effects that's not supported so Mm -hmm. like you're not going in there with a needle and it's like you're naive to think that you can go in there with a tiny little millimeter needle and try to find a trigger point 
not going to fucking happen. Like you're, there are no like knots and stuff in the nervous system or in the uh, the muscle tissue like that. And it sure as hell isn't going to break them up if you like pissing it in and out. Yeah. But you brought up a good point of like you feeling better, and that's actually dependent on the practitioner. Yeah. Like we we have a lot of literature around that. It's like you hear all the time of, of practitioners having healing hands. Right? Oh, I so one hundred percent believe in that. Like I think that there's certain people that have an innate ability to heal. Yeah. Uh, like Dr. Bueller's one. Um, I've, I've met a few other people exactly. like, uh, you know, like when my neck gets jammed up, I go see Dr. Bob and he adjusts me and does a few mm-hmm. little like little things and like, like nobody else I've ever seen. So I think that there's certain people that have like, uh, whether it be experience or just something inherent within them, uh, have, you know, are talented at what they do. And I think the problem is, is when you, you know, it's very hard to scientifically quantify somebody's, mm-hmm. you know, innate mm-hmm. ability to heal. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like if we're developing a coaching seminar and we have this innate ability from having worked with thousands of athletes to see things and make the coaching, it's very hard to give somebody that knowledge, you know, through, uh, you know, a system, let's say, of being like, if this and that. And it, how much yeah, of that, it, Z, is like also, in my experience with acupuncture, I've given maybe five or six sessions. The it was i felt very similar to it felt very similar to like a meditation so a long like a, a 30 to 40 mm-hmm. minute meditation more so than anything else and how much of it is like that practitioner john like you have trust in them they create an environment for you to relax if you're an athlete who's always in this like switched on state this is your opportunity now to control your breathing to do some of this mindfulness routine that you realistically could do in a chair with no one there with some headphones in but you're getting the positive outcomes of that, of calming that nervous system. And there just happens to be needles along these meridians. Right. What you're alluding to is it just sets up the perfect environment for you to relax and release. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it sounds like there's like, it's like witchy woo woo. Like there's a lot of voodoo uh, surrounding a lot of the stuff with the healing hands. But there actually is scientific literature to support that as well. So like when you're injured, like you actually physically damage muscle tissue or ligament or tendon, you actually release the electrons into the system. So you're bleeding these electrons out. And what we found is that with um, the hands, we're actually releasing energy into the body. Mm-hmm. So you actually will release electrons from your own body if you have this innate kind of healing touch. And that's why you see a lot of difference um, uh, interrelated between practitioners mm-hmm. and why some people are more effective than others because of that trust factor, because of that feeling safe and supported and that confidence in them. But then also from the standpoint of like, you are legitimately taking a lot of your positive energy and sending it back into the into the client and they could take that on it does actually produce a healing effect and neurologically as well will help you feel more relaxed and feel better at the same time and yes. you know, with the, now we're talking yeah. Callie Callie has yeah. got to be so upset that the force is real John uh, I don't know if it's the force but I mean I believe in the force I mean I've been watching the Mandalorian but I, I really think that there's something uh, interesting too like um, I like the uh, the ART stuff was pretty fascinating for me in that mm-hmm. uh, like there was dysfunction like I didn't have range of motion in my shoulder uh, this is before it got really fucked up but uh, I would have uh, Doc T do ART on it right before and I could go and snatch and do everything. And then the problem was about 20 minutes after I stopped training, it would go right back to where it was. Mm -hmm. The next day I'd have to come in and do it. And uh, I just am kind of always curious when you use things like that to manipulate things that are injured, if that causes more damage than good. And I think sometimes with like, you know, uh, um, you know, we talk about foam rolling being a a big one here in the, you know, Mm kind of like everybody's got a foam roller now. What's it really doing? And if you are, you know, working on foam rolling and, you know, getting this greater range of motion, if you're not going and using the range of motion and then all of a sudden the next day you come back. Correctly, right? Imagine if it's it's like a compensation pattern that's jamming you up and then you just release it and keep doing the compensation pattern. Yeah, and um, that becomes a, a really interesting one. And I just wonder if doing this actually leads to more injury because it's putting you into a, a you know relaxed state or getting you to a, a range of motion that you necessarily shouldn't have. So it's artificially kind of masking some things like you know short circuiting for a second to allow you to do something that mm-hmm. invariably becomes a bigger problem. It's a hack, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just creates this like false sense of security for you, which then you feel like you could do more. You feel like you could be more explosive, more powerful, go into different ranges of motion. But if you still inherently can't control those ranges, you're setting yourself up for failure mm-hmm. in the long run too. Cause you still never corrected, like Luke said, the compensation patterns that were underlying it. Like there's a reason why 
your brain is being protective over that area. There's a reason why it's neurologically blocking it and it's tightening it down, preventing you from going into that, that range because you can't fucking control it. Mm-hmm. And your brain is smarter than you. It's where we get into trouble is where our ego uh, takes over control. And then unfortunately we see this more in males because we're all boys, right? Um, so you see this more in males where we will battle past those sensations of what our body is telling us just despite ourselves. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a term called interoception, if you're familiar with that. It's actually tuning into your body. It's like, when was the last time you actually listened to what your body was telling you? And that's why like the, the biggest job that we all have as coaches and providers is the education piece. It's helping people understand it because um, from a scientific standpoint, like just educating uh, coaches or, or the athletes or the patients on a lot of this stuff and starting to kind of reframe the stories everybody has around it actually will dampen down those pain signals because you do feel like you are more in control you have a better understanding of what's going on and that in and of itself will calm down to those defensive mechanisms and start to open you up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i can like for what it's worth for listeners i can vouch for it because i yeah. was battling some neck and hip stuff and z once you taught me some of these things it is amazing how quickly that pain signal can go from 10 and like just like a dimmer mm-hmm. turn down to zero. Yep. If you're moving correctly, if you hit the right position, if you breathe into certain areas correctly, it's mm-hmm. bonkers. And it's yep. like, I remember wrenching on fancy MWAD ball. What are they called? Supernovas. <laughs> Supernovas. Yeah, I remember the, rolling yeah, the on shall, shall not be repeated. knobby rollers and going to ART dudes and like just suffering under pressure mm-hmm. and it's, and it's just like no 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 well, it's and mm-hmm. well there's there's a lot of like uh time and energy wasted in that right and like i'm all about efficiency and at the end of the day you're like, you're not really hurting yourself by doing any of these things but also you're not effectively managing it in the right way either you're just wasting a fuck ton of money and time yeah on, on issues that can be simply corrected through movement and breathing and just learning more about how your body moves because Luke, how your body moves is different than mine, different than John's, different than Texas. We all have our innate own compensation patterns based on how we kind of move through our environment as kids growing up, conditioning, um, social constructs, what we think and what we know about pain. Like all these things have um, a combination of, of effects and, and um, our variables in this equation of exactly how you feel pain and how you move. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you brought up like how it was like a dampening switch. So there's actually a lot of chemicals associated with that too. So when you get into a position that your body perceives as beneficial for you, like you offload certain structures that may have been painful, you're desensitized in an area with breath, you get a lot of acetylcholine and dopamine release into the brain, which is going to be reinforcing you to go do that again. And that's how, that's your brain's natural mechanism. Like, hey, do more of this because you feel better. Mm-hmm. Unless you, you, you're not aware of it and you, you find good positions, but then you don't take them into account and you never reproduce them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where you can kind of run into, into problems. It's crazy. So what, uh, what do you think, like if in a perfect world, if somebody was trying to train for performance or pain relief, I mean, what becomes like the mechanism? Because I feel like it's like a minefield for a lot of people. Oh, uh, totally. There's so many things on. put out there like, uh, uh, you know, massage, ART, you know, you go chiropractic, you got this. I mean, there's but a million you... different things like, uh, um, you know, what is it? Uh, like, um, man, come, um, uh, what do you call it? like uh, oxygen therapies? I mean, dude, there's a million different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So like, how does somebody navigate this stuff? Mm-hmm. I think you have to look in the context of, you know, who you want to be and where, where you're going with all this stuff. Like you have expendable income, you have a bunch of money that you just have laying around and you have a bunch of time where you're a professional athlete, go do everything, right? If you really want to, it's not like I said, it's not going to hurt you. Um, if you have the time, go ahead and do it. But if you, if you're just like this, Every day, you know, bro, going to the gym um, on a weekly basis. We have your own garage gym set up, and you're just training, uh, just to stay strong, fit, and healthy. There, there's no real reason. Like you're gonna have um, more, you're gonna get a better investment, like a better return on your investment if you actually uh, put the time into understanding how your body moves and fixing that stuff. And all this other shit just starts to kind of disappear mm-hmm. over time. And if you need to use a little bit of manipulation or a massage because it makes you feel good in the short term, like. What's the what's the risk reward ratio with that stuff, or the cost reward ratio with it? Um, and you can start to manage that in and of yourself in a uniquely individualized um, manner, rather than just saying like, well, only this stuff works, only that stuff works. Uh, I think there's a lot more uh, variability with it, and it's definitely unique based on the individual. 
So how do we then delineate, John, let's say Shirley is feeling under-recovered and it's an objective measure. He's coming in, mm -hmm. his lifts aren't consistent. Well, like they're, they're <sighs> like, the, um, maybe he's got an omega wave in there or HRV, right? Like there are physiological and objective measures of recovery. What if that's the case? Are there any of these, do any of these treatments help with that? Or is this a, a, a <laughs> lifestyle discussion in terms of sleep, meditation, uh, nutrition, and then training load and training volume. Like you just got to kind of like, yep. those are the levers for recovery, right? Well, I think it's all individualized. I mean, like, and yeah, that's well, what Doc just said two seconds ago yeah. was that, you know, you as the individual have to go out and explore these things and see what makes mm -hmm. you feel better. Because a lot of times, even t uh, the illusion of feeling better is sometimes more powerful than like, did it mm -hmm. work? I mean, as you know, the, mind, the mind's a major player in this stuff. Mm-hmm. Big time, big time. And I think, I think Luke, you hit on a very important point there that the sleep, the nutrition, and the, um, the frequency or the volume of the load of being a part on your body are the, the three biggest questions you need to ask yourself first before you start going down any of these rabbit holes. Because um, from a low hanging fruit perspective, you can start mm -hmm. to modify things in those areas. And like I said, all of these um, other symptoms could, could sometimes clear up in and of themselves and, and on their own. So uh, before you start spending all this money on all these recovery tools, even like the Normatec boots and the compression and all that stuff, they're great, right? It's great if you have the time and the money for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you gotta take a step back and actually look at the lifestyle factors first, consider those. And once you can check all those boxes off, then by all means, go ahead and start diving down into those these modalities. I mean, cause it's, it's possible to feel under recovered and not be in pain, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. So like for me, for example, the first thing that I know when I'm under recovered or I'm not eating enough, it's all brain fog. Like that's the first thing that goes on me. It's like my intellect and my sharpness and acuity. Uh, that's when I know I'm like, well, shit, I need to get more sleep or maybe I can't, I shouldn't train as hard today because my nervous system's just shot. Uh, but that's come from like years of like listening to myself and figuring out what worked best for me and, and what didn't. It's like this whole idea, this process of movement discovery, like we all go through these different phases of life, like, you know, either being an athlete or getting into strongman and powerlifting and CrossFit, and then maybe into like bodyweight gymnastics, calisthenics, all this stretching stuff. And you learn different things along the way. Um, but it's like the old saying that hindsight's twenty twenty. like usually when you're in the moment, you're not acutely aware of what's going on. It's only until you get out of that phase, you look back and like, oh, this is what was really going on with me. But then you learn these lessons and that's what you then use as, you know, the information to drive your decision-making moving forward as well. Have so, you ever, um, have you ever seen any of the stuff with, uh, I mean, we've, uh, you know, gone into for years about, you know, blood work mm -hmm. and, you know, micronutrients and, you know, inflammation and what, have you ever seen like a kind of a, uh, like a, I guess a down chain effect where, you know, somebody's come in, they've gotten some, uh, you know, blood work done and all of a sudden, you know, they're micronutrient deficient. They got some low level inflammation, something's happening. You are able mm -hmm. to kind of deal mm -hmm. and see that kind of point. And then all of a sudden it comes downstream and makes your job a lot easier. Cause I sometimes think people are so constantly yeah. focused on this external. This is yeah, how structural. Yeah. Like, uh, this injury has yeah. to be from this opposed from like thinking about it from the inside out. Like, Hey, I need to make sure that, you know, uh, cortisol level, and like kind of looking at this hormonal thing like um mm -hmm. i remember mm -hmm. years ago there was an interesting one where uh, people you know they looked at all these guys that were complaining of low t and they when they actually tested them all their testosterone was fine it was actually had to do with uh like growth hormone levels due to uh inflammation and cortisol and other key factors so i sometimes mm -hmm. think people like have this systemic feeling like something is off i'm going to do this instead of looking at it and and i, I view those as external yeah. fixes like uh, external modalities opposed from maybe doing some internal stuff and figuring out what the fuck is going on within your body. Well, you're 100% right. Your gut is your second brain, right? It's got more nerve, uh, free nerve endings inside the gut lining than you do actually in the skin of your body. Um, so it's, it's vitally important. And also from the absorption standpoint, like are you actually taking in your the nutrients that you need and utilizing them in the right way? You may be having uh, eating a great diet, but if you're not taking any of that stuff in, it's it's kind of pointless and you're literally just shitting it out the other end and never getting any benefit from it uh, whatsoever. But like a really another another great example is um, like even with B vitamins. So my girlfriend, Kendall, when she is low in B vitamins, she starts getting this nervy sensation on the inside of both of her elbows. And that's a key indicator because the B vitamins are um, vital for nerve regeneration and neuroplasticity. Like you need that for myelination of the nerves. And when you don't have those building blocks, those nerves can become more sensitive. Wow. How did you well, figure so that just, piece out? 
Uh, blood testing. Yeah, through blood mm-hmm. work. Wow. Yeah, through blood, through blood wow. work. Yep, yep. So I was like, you're cool. chronically low in these bees. You just supplement them, and it's like, dude, it's like a light switch. Wow. The minute because her gut was working fine, she just wasn't getting enough of it in. So is and once it you started, you know, you got it back into the system. It was. I mean, how? Like I, I mean, I, I. It's impossible to guess, but I mean, how many people would you think that you come in? And I know this is a fucking rabbit hole, but like you know, the people that you come into that, like, hey, you, you know, I'm having this issue, I'm having this, and you're like, uh, I can, you know, help you with all these things, but these might be some systemic problems that we can fix on the other side. I wonder how much of it's actually like injury based from something you know like like people come in and they're like wow you're you know this is messed up well i haven't been in a car accident i haven't had any issues there's no major driver for it like it is that like where you start or is that kind of like after the effect like hey we've tried this now let's try this it's always a part of the conversation john and it's the reason why i spend 90 minutes with people during our first evaluation because there's a lot of talking and that um that comes with the territory of asking the right questions and getting them to think about and divulge a lot of that information. And although that it's a very, very important factor for the long term, like the longevity of that organism, like the client, um, they're still here to see me for a specific reason. So you're still going to do a physical examination and go down that rabbit hole, go down that path first. And if you could find some of these functional limitations or these compensation patterns to start to clean them up and they start to feel better, it's like, okay, this is working for you, but we still think that there might be a component and it's not going to hurt to get some blood work done and see what's going on on the inside to make sure that we cover this from both angles. Because at the end of the day, most people change the oil in their car more than they check their blood, which I think is a, you know, a big problem because you know our blood work is an insight into what's going on internally, like you said, and it could have a, a large, large um, effect on what we feel physically and, and mentally as well. So our emotional state uh, moving forward, even surpassing just the physical ramifications of it as well. Can you give Dave or our listeners out there examples of questions that you present to your clients that they can ask themselves or when they do go to a practitioner, Mm. how can they intelligently check if this is the right person to heal them? Yeah. So you have to arm yourself with the information first, right? So becoming aware of it by listening to podcasts like this, you already have the information uh, in the back of your head. But like one of the first questions that I always ask every single client of mine is to tell me what a day in the life of yours looks like. And usually they'll go through, give them the opportunity to go through that day. um, And it'll usually uncover training, it'll uncover the sleep stuff, it'll uncover what they're eating. And then from there, you could ask deeper questions of, you know, what are you putting in your in your body, right? What does a normal diet look like for you? Are you meal prepping? or Are you just getting stuff on the go? Like, what does sleep like? Are you actually getting enough every single day? How do you feel in the morning? Like, there's a lot of different um, factors that will lead you down the the path of some of these recovery questions. Uh, But I get I get clients all the time that will come to me just from like reading blog posts that we've done on the the power athlete site and everything. It's like, well, this information armed me enough to go and ask my providers about it. Right. So it comes down to once again, educating yourself. And at the end of the day, you're hiring that practitioner, you're hiring that doc. Right. So it's within your responsibility, um, I think, to educate yourself and figure out if they can answer those questions. And if they can't answer those questions for you, you should find yourself somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, do you do you look at blood work along with all the movement stuff? Like, what are your thoughts on these recovery modalities and start to see what they tell you? And that could then justify whether or not you stay with them. And then next question for you. What's your advice to two more questions? What's your advice to, let's say, an athlete? who's seeing a practitioner and has 100% faith and belief that has just been shattered in things like cupping or, um, you know, ice bath or whatever, like they, in their heart of hearts, this was the thing that helped them excel. And now they're being told, well, maybe not really. So like, what's your advice to those folks? (laughs) <laughs> well, we never want to completely destroy their belief systems <laughs> up front. So if they feel like it, it did help help them, it legitimately did, right? Because in their minds, it helped them move better, feel better, whatever. And that is legitimate. You can't just uh, pull the rug out from underneath those <laughs> belief systems. So acknowledge it, right? And the way I always pose this is, do I have permission to give you my opinion or educate you on some other literature surrounding mm-hmm. what you've been doing? Right. And 
the way I presented them comes down to whether or not they tell me, yes, I'm open to it. Or well, you no, already told them, the end, I'll be a, yeah, like those well. poor listeners are already like their dreams are shattered. We've pulled the rug out from under them. I don't them. think he has, man. I I, I really think Listen, uh, the, um, like there's so many things, but like I mean, uh, I legitimately feel better from doing contrast pass. Like I mean, uh, like you know, during football season when I was super sore and couldn't make fists, contract spaz all of a sudden, like you know, three in the cold, two in the hot, like you know, mixing it up, legitimately got blood flowing, and I felt better within my joints, which allowed me to go out and play. Um, You know, I never noticed anything from ultrasound or SNAM or any of that other bullshit, but I thought like you know, ice baths, you know, getting some regular chiropractic done if something was you know jammed up, get some ART work. I mean, just something to kind of address. But I, I think the problem is. Is, is that people assume everything works and they don't mm-hmm. realize that mm-hmm. it probably doesn't. But well, I, I don't But those know. things, John, that you feel success with, there's people out there, there that don't. don't. And then the people that you think like ice bat or stem and shit like that, there's people there who like this shit worked for me a hundred percent. I don't know anybody that well, thinks ice and stem fucking works. That was like the trainers oh God, like no. <laughs> Like when I when I read all the research and the modalities, I'm like, this isn't even compelling to fucking do this stuff. And, um, you know, that, that was like a standard thing. I like, I think I told you guys a story when I sprained my ankle real bad, it was so swollen and they'd be doing ice and stem and ultrasound. And we got, we had an old, uh, like, um, uh, pretty interesting doc who was an osteopath and he also worked on horses. And I was like, Hey doc, can I get some DMSO? He brought it in, fixed my ankle within about an hour. And, um, all the swelling was gone. I went out and played and, uh, those guys (laughs) thought that that was fucking witch doctory. And I'm like, dude, this is this has been around for hundreds of years. This is how they get the rid of. That's how you get swung off the joints. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those mm-hmm. things of, uh, you know, uh, but we do know swelling on the joints shuts the nervous system down. You know, re- mm-hmm. you know, muscles can't fire. You get rid of swelling, you're you're much better. But I think a lot of this stuff really comes down to like Luke said, um, you know, do you feel better? But like feeling better is not always a performance gain. But more importantly, mm-hmm. do you feel better to the point where you can go and perform at a high level? I think that should be the justification. Yeah. Hundred percent. And at the end of the day, this is why the science is never settled because context is completely key with all this stuff. Like even with the manipulations and whatnot, like um, you'll see manipulations will work for some people and not for others. Like some people get worse from those things too. And a great example is like if you were just in a car accident and you got whiplash on your neck, you're just rattled and shaked around. What do you think your nervous system is going to think is happening again when you go and have somebody try and crack your neck? Mm -hmm. Same type of mechanism, right? So your brain may feel defensive over that. And that's where it it really does um, behoove you to actually learn and talk to the patient and connect with them and see what that history is surrounding and their belief systems around it to actually make sure it's actually going to be effective for them. Um, And just one more thing on those contrast baths too, because uh, they're really interesting. I still love them. Um, there's there's a lot of great research surrounding the efficacy of you know cold tubs for breath regulation um, and calming down the nervous system and, and learning to get in more of a parasympathetic state and then using the contrast like you were doing to upregulate the lymphatic system and essentially get the muscles and the, the lymphatic system to work together to pump a lot of uh, the garbage out essentially if, if you have swollen joints or uh, in and around inf- inflammation in body parts. And it does that effectively better than like just ice alone. Like we know mm-hmm. ice alone will completely shut down blood flow and you get no blood flow to the area. Um, you get no healing in a sense as well either. Uh, so, and that's, that's, that's a vital component of it too, more so from the nervous system standpoint of like getting you more into that relaxed state that allows you then perform your best because you feel recovered, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you feel recovered, you can then go perform better. And that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 specific so surely wrote kind of drew a fence around cupping mm-hmm. ice bath and float tank so it sounds like if we took that ice bath and added a little contrast to it mm-hmm. focused on breathing right so kind of focus on that breathing and calming the nervous system in your ice bath get some heat cupping you could probably take the money you're going to spend there and reallocate it yeah to uh uh to float tanks yeah and hit a float I, tank mm-hmm, which yeah. is again yep. like calming Amazing. Right, right. It, yep. it, it's super interesting because what they do is the water. We 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 did it out at NSW. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, and I, I, dude, I love them. It's like a warm water that's salty, mm-hmm. and you float at the top of it, and it's supposed to. So it's symbolize, not just a clever name. It's supposed to uh, symbolize like embryonic fluid and the idea that you're back in the womb in that terms of the temperature and the whole deal. Which mm-hmm. I kind of mm-hmm. was like, ah, oh, okay, I get it. All of a sudden, you get in there, and like they put these lights on, and you're in this like bubble, and you're like am I in the womb again? And as you're sitting in there kind of floating, 
it's super relaxing. Like your mind starts going. I really enjoyed it, man. Like uh, I know mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. that are in there for five minutes and fucking have a panic attack. For me, I could have slept in there. Yeah, it's really trippy too. Like I get very vivid dreams when I go into float tanks. I swear I found my spirit animal the last time. Like there was a bunch of these wolves dancing around. Um, so I'm is your spirit sure animal that, a wolf? It is now. It is now. It is now. <laughs> it is now. You're like, no, actually, it was a small squirrel that they were circling around to kill. But I mean, <laughs> the squirrel whooped its ass. Yeah, it fucking, yeah that's yeah. a fucking other story. Oh god, you would think it would be a line with the main that I got going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess the wolf is, is more fitting with that. Uh, but those float tanks are awesome for allowing you to literally stop thinking, like shut down the sympathetic nervous system, allow the, the brain to actually calm down and move into this more relaxed state that actually allows you to process your thoughts. Like we talk about this all the time, how people never sit with their pain enough to really truly understand it. Like we're so quick to try and get rid of it. Um, Same thing with our our thoughts as well. Like we're always go, 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 thinking about the next thing we have to do or accomplish. We never actually have any time to sit back and think about, you know, how we actually feel or what's going on inside of our own body. And that's what I love about those float tanks is you've got like a solid hour to just shut everything off and tune in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love them. I I think they're killer. So assuming Shirley's question was not about pain management and truly about recovery and I guess regulating kind of that sympathetic parasympathetic sine wave that is triggered by training and like a Mm -hmm. healthy dose of Mm -hmm. training and volume intensity, things like that. Get your lifestyle in order, Shirley. If it isn't already, which includes sleep, uh, probably some mindfulness practice, probably some nutrition, like really layer that in. And then uh, assuming you move well, it's about that contrast bath and that float tank. I think that's the way to do it, right? I think it'd be in a pretty good deal. I mean, um, I think yeah. uh, the, I would definitely throw out the fucking cupping. I think there's that's actually worthless. Um, even though I know there are people that understand the acupuncture mm-hmm. and all that. Like yeah, I've had it yeah. done on me a numerous times and saw zero performance when i went back and looked at the whole thing i'm like man this doesn't really make a lot of sense mm-hmm. but uh, well, you know like, but, I'm, but but i'm sure there's people that are listening to me <laughs> that, that like cupping changed my life and i always think that if cupping changed your life how fragile was your life that just putting a little suction exactly. cup on there kind of changed it and I, i'd like to put the nail in the coffin with one of these um since we're on the cupping thing again <laughs> is that it does not remove toxins from your body like we <laughs> need to stop that shit right now the only thing that removes toxins in your body is called your liver and your kidneys mm-hmm. right they're the only things that process toxins like you're not pulling anything out like you're like i said the barely the most minimum thing that you're getting at is the skin and the darker the circle that the suction cup makes has nothing to do with the amount of the toxins that what it's about exercising like after i like went out and had a big night drinking and all of a sudden as i start working out i can smell the alcohol coming off of my body is that relieving the body of toxins? When are you going out drinking with yeah, that? It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, this is like 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. I remember we'd go out pretty hard and I'd go work out the next day and I'd be like, oh God, I smell just like all that vodka I drank. So I'm just yeah. wondering if that's toxins leaving the body or it's just, I stink. You're smelling smelling the bourbon through the sweat. That's my favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. We got to do have to thank Dave Shirley for sending us some three bottles of whiskey as a Christmas present. Oh, yeah, present. Oh, yeah. Hold, on. Yeah. hold on, let me, well, we'll so, give a second. Hold, hold on. Dave, while we're presenting to the world mm-hmm. your next steps in recovery, we want to say thank you for ruining our recovery there? as we drink all these bottles. Yeah, That's Dave, right. Dave sent us uh, three bottles of Clyde Mays uh, carefully mm. crafted straight bourbon whiskey. Now, listeners, what you may not know is you can send us bottles of bourbon as well. <laughs> that is... <laughs> Yeah. That is very true. We are Just bourbon drinkers. And we will give you a shipping address. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tequi- this one's- tequila. Yeah. And if you're like, man, what are the mechanics of this? Well, what did what service do? Uh, uh, Postmates. Postmates. That's right. Yeah. We'll do that for you because you cannot ship booze over uh, yeah. Texas state line. We sent um, Aaron uh, from Kafaru. I sent him a bottle of uh, Texas bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, the uh, mm-hmm. this is 92 proof, which is just about right. 89 to 92 mm-hmm. is about where I like it. When it gets up to the 108s, that's a little much like that Booker's <laughs> sitting over there. That one's straight fire. Man, I didn't know you were on the cheerleading well, team. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I burn. I'll tell you, I, uh, I'm just kidding. John, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the I'm piss and vinegar I had when I was younger, like, yeah, let's drink that 151. No, nah. you know, yeah, I'm with you. Now, now I'm like, oh, can no, no. I get that? Uh, can I get a big ice cube in there and let it melt for a little bit? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
man. I, uh, I, I, when I was out in like, Arizona recently, um, like, I was telling you guys I sat with Dr. Zanis and, uh, and his girl, and we drank some old fashions and had a really good conversation, especially about the launching of the foot health course. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, it's going pretty well, man. I'm, I'm excited to get people out there and get people into it and get some feedback from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, yeah. give us a quick 60 on the course. Uh, so this course was essentially designed because I got tired of having the same conversations over and over and over again with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the foot is is the you know our only connection point with the ground, and it's the biggest piece of low hanging fruit for not only longevity longevity but um, health and performance. And at the end of the day, there are so many people who have fucked up feet, and that's the majority. It's like eighty percent or so, um, and. At, you know, we gotta be able to make some type of ground on all these nagging injuries um, that people are experiencing. And the best place to get started is fixing the way that your foot is interacting with the ground. And there are essentially four pillars to this course. We go over uh, how to improve sensation to the foot, how to improve mobility to the foot, and then most importantly, how to improve the function of the foot, how it goes through pronation and supination through application of movement mm. um, and that at the end of the day is going to start to change things permanently the way that you're interacting with the ground and how the rest of the body is functioning upstream so, Z, so two questions for another yes. quick 60 120 maybe 180 um okay so number one what type of you've had this conversation over and over and over again people have mm-hmm. used your this information and have solved problems I'm mm-hmm. one of them. What type of pain symptoms do people have that have been resolved through this type of training? Yeah. So locally at the foot and ankle, any type of plantar fasciitis, um, Achilles tendonitis problems, recurrent ankle sprains is a big one. Uh, but then even, you know, moving upstream, a lot of knee, hip and low back issues um, that are that can be resolved by fixing the feet and actually improving the connection between the feet and the hips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why do people uh, look at, I mean, because we, we text and I actually had a pretty good conversation yesterday. We were talking about navicular drop and knees caving and like, you know, uh, hip injuries. It's pretty interesting mm-hmm. that when everybody sees the knees caving, navicular drops, some of these other issues, they always are kind of looking upstream and the one place they don't start and realizing that the foot, which is the foundation of the foot's weak, it's like building your house on a weak foundation. Everything starts to slant mm-hmm. in. And, um, you know, uh, my wife is, uh, you know, working with some of the girls next door uh, for writing and she, she's like, you know, their ankles are constantly caving in on everything that they do in the knees. And, uh, you know, her fix is, should I throw a band around the knees? And we talked about this yesterday. It's like, okay, well, now you're cueing the knees. But a lot of times it's coming from the feet. So now we started talking about using the boards and getting into the foot course as a way to, you know, injury prevention. So why is it that people don't start with the foot and kind of want to go with the knees and the hips, drive the knees out? I mean, all these different cues are always from the hip and the knee where nobody really is examining the foot is really the base of support on this deal. Yeah, I think it's a complete misunderstanding of the complex nature of the foot. So it is a very complex structure. So a lot of people don't take the time and the energy to fully understand what's going on. And we're too quick to go locally uh, to where the fire is at and try to put it out there versus understanding deeper of the greater connection and how everything is actually working together because it comes back to satisfaction or efficacy, efficacy, John, right? Like I can make you feel satisfied by giving you a different cue at the knee and you know, making things feel better temporarily with the movement pattern. But at the end of the day, if you never fix the way the foot is coming into contact with the ground, you're never going to change the type of energy that's being distributed up the rest of the body. And on that note, Z, how can uh, somebody who's has these nagging foot, ankle, knee, hip, low back issues that's Mm -hmm. listening now determine that their feet might be the problem. Do you have anything you like a couple steps drills or somewhere to point them where they can go, huh, this course is probably for me. Yeah. So like the big assessment one is um, like standing neutrally, like your feet underneath your, your hips and just closing your eyes and tuning in, right. The interoceptive term again is tuning in and feeling like the pressure in the bottom of your feet. Like, does it feel normal and equal between both feet? Or do you feel more in like the heel versus the forefoot on one side? Uh, that will give you an idea that you don't have, um, good contact with the tripod of your foot, and that there are definitely some asymmetries and compensations going on um, up the chain. But then another one that's that's really, really good for people to, to look at is if you're standing with the feet underneath the hips again, and toes are pointing forward, toes forward, and you rotate right. When you rotate right, the arch should lift on the right foot, and it should flatten to the ground on the left foot. 
when you rotate left, the arch lifts on the left foot and it should flatten to the ground on the right foot. If you notice that your big toe is coming up off the ground or your fifth toe is coming up off the ground, there's no movement whatsoever, there's a problem there. Like your feet are supposed to be like, like trampolines. Well, well, you, know, you should be able to go through a big excursion of movement. Who, who do we have? Uh, was Dr. Mike that we talked Martino. about Mike, yeah, Mike Martino, that the flexibility in the foot and like uh, people that tend to have flatter feet have greater flexibility opposed from like a more rigid foot with a high arch, which is what's always happened to me mm-hmm. when I constantly stretch yep. my feet. That idea that that arch gets so kind of rigid that now all of a sudden it can't get, you know, any type of flexion. So then it becomes less like a more like a, a, tr- a bipod than more than like a tripod. Episode three, mm-hmm. eight, nine. Yeah, that was a really good one, too. Yeah, at the end of the day, people just don't know how to pronate well, right? Because overpronation, it really isn't a thing. <laughs> Usually when you see overpronation, it's like the foot is everting and like the fifth toe is coming up off the ground mm-hmm. um, versus being able to keep the tripod foot. So your big toe, fifth toe and heel on the ground and actually flatten it like you were just describing and get it to lift back up into that supination effect, right? So pronation is wanted. You need it. Um, so if you can't do it, that's going to be a problem. So pronation should be rolling in. No, I wouldn't use the term rolling in because rolling in then, so pronation is a 3D movement, right? So you need equal opposition between the rear foot and the forefoot. So you need to create this spiraling effect of internal, external rotation, inversion, eversion, excuse me, and abduction and adduction. And if you're not getting that twisting nature, you're just kind of rolling like you just described. That's Mm -hmm. where we're getting those points of contact coming up off the ground. We're losing that connection. Man, the worst ankle sprain yeah. I ever had was uh, I actually got hit, like stepped on, and my ankle rolled in, opposed from rolling out. Like the like the rolling out one, like I'm fine, I can walk it off in a few minutes. But that that one that went in, man, that screwed me for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. Like that was a nasty one. I, I, yeah, um, yeah, I forget what the actual term for that is, but man, that that one sucks. <laughs> the difference between an inversion and an eversion yeah. ankle sprain is essentially mm-hmm. what happens there. Yeah, yeah, that one's awful. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that tends to open the door for more recurrent ankle sprains because you start to damage the proprioceptive organs inside the muscles, the tendons, and the ligaments. Mm-hmm. And then you just right? basically so, destroy all those, and then ankle sprains don't bother you anymore. Then you roll your ankle and you walk it off in like two seconds. Like kind of <laughs> oh, like- dude, it was like, <laughs> it was like me with my shoulder. I used to dislocate my shoulder like three times a week when I I was playing football and baseball in high school, and it got to the point where it's like, oh, it came out again. Let's go just put that guy back in, and then this thing go away, back on the field. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Similar type of sensation. Yeah, your body just gets used to it. doesn't make it right, though. Mm-hmm. It's amazing sure. what you can get used yeah. to. Well, yeah. Doc, I know you got hard stop coming here, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen. Set up your yeah. iPhones, do your twisting test, uh, and see if your feet are fucked. And you need the foot health course. Yeah, Power Athlete Foot Health Course. At academy.powerathletehq.com. That's right. Can't miss it. Thanks, Doc. And if you guys don't know where to follow Doc C, find Rooted in Movement on uh, Instagram. It's the best way to go. You can't miss it. Um, All right. Until next time. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time. <laughs>